0: We're just so glad that you made it to church today. We're grateful to have you here. Uh, We've been enjoying this series so that it's been a transformative series of teaching for a lot of us as we've been understanding that God has a new opportunity for our church to step into a higher calling of purpose in his plan for us to reach Arizona and the world for Jesus. And many of you have said, I want to go all in so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. That's what we've been talking about. It's been changing challenging. But that's okay, right? I mean, you you come to church to be challenged. Cuz if you're not challenged, you'll never change. And it's been inspiring. I hope that you see what God can do through you and your willingness to be a part of what he wants to accomplish to reach the lost and build his kingdom. It's been a great time. Next week we are starting a new series. We're going to spend 8 weeks going through the book of James and it's going to be very beneficial to you. It's such a practical book in the Bible, and there's so much wisdom in it for your everyday life. So it covers a wide variety of topics. Every week will feel a little bit different, but every week will be so helpful for you in your walk with God and even your family and your personal lives. You're going to love it. This series, So That, has been inspired by John 3, 16. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this phrase is so that. It puts movement and muscle behind God's emotion of love. If he just loved us, but never did anything about it, we would just be another cosmic tragedy but he loved us so much that he gave, he took action. And we've talked about in the first week of this series, the the difference between a so that Christian, someone who goes all in and says, I'm gonna take action, versus a so what Christian, who's like, yeah, that's nice, but so what, I'm not really willing to get involved and I don't wanna change, and and you're not that way, I know, I, I know your heart's desire is to be all in, for Jesus. And then we've talked about serving the Lord. We serve so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. And we talked about the difference between being a volunteer and being on the team. Okay? Like a volunteer, like it's great to volunteer. I love it when man, volunteers are nice, they're caring people, they serve, and it's, it's great. But like, when you volunteer, you show up and the attitude is like, I'm doing you a favor that I'm here, I mean, come on. Like, I'm a pretty great guy, right? But a team member says, I'm on the team. I'm going all in. I'm gonna sacrifice because I'm committed. I'm gonna bring my best. I'm gonna give my all because my team members need me, right? And so a lot of you are saying, I need to be on the team. Yeah. right?" Like, I've been on, the, like, because here's, here's the truth. The kingdom of God does not need more fans, There's a lot of fans of Jesus. He doesn't need more fans. He needs more team members, right? So like, we're all happy when the Cardinals win the Super Bowl, but only the team members get a ring. You know what I'm saying? And if we love Jesus, we're all gonna get into heaven, but not everyone's gonna get the same reward. So I'm so grateful that when we did 101 last time, over 70 people went to 101 this last week. They said, I'm going to serve, I'm going to be on the team. And then we've talked this last week about being a 10 times church, that we wanna be 10 times Christians, like the steward who received from his master wealth and he invested it and he returned 10 times the original investment. And we want God to know that if he entrusts us with this mission to reach the lost, everything he puts in our hands, we wanna bring back 10 times that amount to him. And we wanna start 100 churches in this valley and around the world. We wanna baptize 10,000 people here at Just Generation Church. We wanna preach the gospel to 100,000 people And we want to reach 100 million people online and around the world through the efforts of this ministry. And you might say, Ryan, that's a big goal. Did anyone ever teach you about attaining goals that are realistic? And I want you to know, we got a big God, and so we need big goals. Amen? We need to set bigger goals and not limit God to our own expectations of what's possible So today I wanna talk to you about this other part of the conversation, giving. We give so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. And giving is a sensitive topic for so many people, but the cool thing is that when you say I'm all in, I want to be like Jesus, not just like Jesus. You see the difference? And you say, well, what did Jesus do? He gave his very life so that we could have eternal life. And if we wanna not just come to church, but become the church, if we wanna be like Jesus, then we need to start thinking about how we can do the things he did. We're not just admiring him, we're trying to reproduce what he did. We wanna replicate him. And so we wanna be givers. We give so that, so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. And I want to talk about this and break it down a little bit for you so you can understand it fully. Maybe for some of you, it'll be for the first time ever hearing conversation like this. Some of you, it'll be the hundredth time. But God will speak something new to your heart today. We give because we love. We love. We give because we love. We don't give out of religious ritual. We don't give to earn God's favor there is not a ticket booth selling entrance tickets to heaven. It's not like you got to get to a certain dollar amount before you get into heaven, right? We are saved by grace. There's not a price that we can pay. Jesus already paid it. And so why do we give? Well, we give because we love. We love God. We love God. First and foremost, we love God. And why? Do, here, here, here's what you have to understand about love. Love first is a choice. You choose to love God. You don't always wake up and feel like loving someone, do you? And all the ladies said. <laughs> Some of you were just way too pumped to say that. But you have to choose to, you choose to love. I'm, I made a choice when I got married. I said, I'm going to love you and I choose to love you, whether I feel like it or not. I put God first. We say this day, we choose who we will serve, the Lord. Okay, so we choose to love. We love God because of what he has done for us. Man, he gave his son for us. He redeemed us from death. He pursued us when we were far off from him. When we were were sinners, he died to save us. And, And have you ever stopped to think about this? You know, if God never did another thing for me while I was on this earth, he would still deserve all my love and devotion, wouldn't he? I mean, he's been so good. And and we used to sing a song in church that said, God is so good. Any of you remember that song? God is so good. You can sing it with me so I'm not alone. God is so good. He's so good to me. And the longer you know him, the more you know his goodness. So we love him because we choose to. We love him because of what he's done. And we love him because of who he is. He's God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's a God. He deserves to be praised. He demands to be praised. And so, I mean, if we don't praise him, Jesus said the rocks will cry out. So we're going to praise him because of who he is. I mean, we're going to choose, like, I'm either going to be one of the people who gives him praise, gives him my love and devotion, or I'm going to be one of the people who ultimately rejects him. So when you see people in church giving financially, it's because they love God first and foremost. They love God. And then they love God's people. Understand that. They love giving in, in your church environment like this is an act of love for one another. The people in this room who give, they give because they love you. Have you stopped to think about this? We love one another because it's a choice and we choose to love one another. And some days we feel like it more than other days, right? we, we love one another because of what, because of what you do. You, you all do a lot to, to show love to one another and, and you're good, you're here for one another, you're, you're faithful, you serve one, and we love one another because of who we are. We're God's people. And I wanna love the people that God loves because I love God. So if God loves you, then I wanna love you. Think about how when you give, it is an act of love for God's people, people who give faithfully, their tithes and offerings to their church that allows the church like this locally to exist. It's an act of love for one another. Because every single time we come to church, it is a powerful experience in people's lives. And, and sometimes you come to church and you're having like a really good week or a really good couple of weeks, you know, and you just feel like I'm on top of the world. Dun, 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 like it's going so good in my life. And you can almost start to forget that that every single week, even when I'm having a great time, like some people come to this church in every service. And this time in God's presence with God's people is the difference between them giving up or pressing on. How many of you have ever been there? This time in God's presence is the difference between their marriage falling apart or containing, holding on to that hope that there can be a better tomorrow, right? And so when when you gave to allow this church to exist, you might have been loving in advance a person who would be here one day, just barely holding on to hope. It's an act of love for God's people. And then we give because we love lost people, We love lost people. We have been found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. But there are still many, many, many people who are lost and God loves those people. He loves them. They were made in his image. And even if they don't know him and even if they reject him, some of them even say, I hate you to the God who made them. But God still loves them faithfully. And we want to reach them the way that Jesus wants to reach them. We love these people because Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost. And it's not one of those things where when you get brought into the lifeboat, you just row off into the sunset. No, no, we're trying to like pull other people into the lifeboat. If Jesus came to seek and save the lost and he's my king and this is his mission, then I give because I want to join him on his mission. I just watched this movie called 12 Strong and it was about these soldiers who went into Afghanistan right after 9/11. And have you seen a preview for this movie, any of you? And at one point, they actually had to like ride horses into battle. This is it's based on a true story. So you know, here I'm watching this movie, and Chris Hemsworth gets up on this horse, just dreamy looking, right? And he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, charges off into battle. And his soldiers are just like, yeah, his God, yeah let's go. Right? Like We got to follow our leader. And, and I thought in that moment about how Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Bible says he's coming on a white horse. He's on this mission to seek and save the lost. And I pictured him. I had, I had this fantasy of Jesus like charging into battle while many of his people say, come on, let's go. And other people just kind of sit there on their horse like, nope. I'm going to sit this one out. Right. And so why we give of our finances is because we're saying like, Jesus, this is his mission and it's our mission. So I'm following him. If he could give his life. The least I could do is put him first in my finances and give financially to be a part of what he's doing to seek lost people. Listen to this. Christians are the only people who give to help our enemies. Nobody else does this. Pepsi is not selling their corporate sec- their secrets with Coca-Cola, sharing them, trying to help them out. And, uh, you know, Apple and Microsoft are not trading technology breakthroughs. And the Seahawks and the Cardinals are not, like, sending each other helpful tips during the week. (laughs) Like, try this play. No, because they're rivals. But Christians... We give financially to help our enemies. Some of the same people who mock you and abuse you, you give financially because you're hoping that God will reach them and bring their soul into everlasting life. Who does that? Jesus. Jesus. It's incredible that we get to do this. We give to reach people far from God because we were once far from God. And someone else gave so that we could find eternal life through Jesus. I'm here because somebody gave financially when I was a snot-nosed little brat. You're here because someone gave. And next week, there's going to be someone here who knows Jesus because you gave. And that's so amazing that you get to be a part of this. It's incredible. This is why we make giving a regular part of our lives, because we love God, we love his people, and we love lost people. It's not to follow the rules. It's not to earn God's favor or to get rich, uh, regardless of what some TV people, evangelists, you know, say. Uh, It's because we love. And so generosity flows from a heart of love. So we give. Because we love, you've got to pay attention now as you're taking your notes. We love because we give. You will love whatever you invest in. And we love because we give. Matthew six twenty one. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you pay attention to that passage, you'll see that it's flipped from what you would logically say. You would logically think to say that whatever your heart loves, your money will flow to that. And that's true. But what did Jesus say? He flipped that logic on its head and said, where your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. That means sometimes you're going to invest in something. And as you invest in it, your love for it will grow after you put your money where your mouth is. There's a reason you love your kids more than other people's kids. It's not because of how they behave, right? It's because you're invested in that kid. You changed those diapers and burped that baby. You sat on the sidelines of hundreds of games that do not matter at all, right? You're invested now. You have to love that smile. You paid a lot of money for those braces, right? We naturally love what we invest in. And you're you're not going to be apathetic about anything that you have invested so much into. That, and we said that in previous weeks. This is the truth that the greatest inhibitor to the cause of Jesus Christ is an apathetic Christian. It's not Satan. People would say like it's oh it's the enemy. It's the de- it's not the devil. He cannot do anything to stop what Jesus is wanting to do. Right. But the, the only thing that slows us down is when God's people are apathetic about what he's doing. Like, yeah, so what? There's a lot of lost people out there that need Jesus. Yeah, so what? I mean, so what God wants to use me to build my church? Like, eh, yeah, whatever. Like that slows down the movement of what Jesus wants to do to seek and save the lost. And the reason there are too many apathetic Christians in the world not here of course, but in the world, is because there are too many uninvested Christians. Christians who say, I'm gonna let someone else carry the tab for me, right? In previous weeks, if you've been in this series, you might've heard me say, welfare Christians. Who say, you know, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna benefit from this and I'm never really stopping to think how I can contribute to this cause, right? I'm gonna let someone else carry my burden. And in real life, there are some legitimate reasons a person might need to be on welfare, but in the kingdom of God, there is no reason. It's impossible for an invested Christian to be an apathetic Christian. There's a difference between being an owner and an employee. An employee shows up to work and does the minimum work required to get paid. You know, I'm here, I'm on time, I did what you told me to do, pay me. But an owner has skin in the game and he's all in and his future is tied to the the well-being of this company. And we have business owners in our church and I've seen how hard they work and they give up sleep. And and even though they're the owner, still willing to pick up a mop and and do what is required because he's invested, she cares, she's all in. And you have to realize whether you understand this or not, you are an owner in the kingdom of God. You're not an employee of Jesus. Here's what it says in Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What this means is that you're not just an employee in the kingdom of God, but when you gave your life to Jesus and you were adopted into God's family, you became a child of God. Isn't that great? Anybody here is like, I'm glad to be a child of God. Come on. And so that makes you an heir Of God, an heir of God. Man, that is the sugar daddy you want to be an heir of. Like, I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying that. And we're co heirs with Jesus Christ. Like, and so think about this, right? You know, Donald Trump's kids are gonna inherit a fortune, but it's so much better to be a co heir of Jesus Christ and inherit what he has earned on our behalf. Jesus he has earned an incredible he has done it all he has done what we could not do and by becoming a part of God's family we are adopted in and we become co-heirs with Christ we are owners in this thing you have a stake in this kingdom when you build the kingdom of God when you invest your finances into the kingdom of God you are investing into something that you are going to benefit from it's part of your own inheritance do you know what I'm saying we give because we love and we love because we give. And that's one of the reasons that I love putting God first in my finances. When I give my tithes and offerings to God, I put God first with my tithes. It keeps my heart aligned with God's heart. It helps my heart, my love for God not grow cold. I give so that he stays first in my life. When you put him first in your budget, he's going to be first in your life, especially in an area like finances is something we care so much about naturally. We sacrifice so that, we can stay on mission because the mission of Jesus to reach people far from God is our mission. So we wanna give, we wanna sacrifice, we wanna be like him because we love him and we give because we want to be like him and be a part of what he's doing. So we've talked about that. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was not just giving tithes, but also the idea of generosity because this has been a series of challenge and asking our church, like, how can we step up How can we all just go to the next step in our walk with Jesus? What's he calling you to do? Is it to get involved and to serve? Is it to to be all in and change your thinking? And some, some of you, God's calling you to make tithing a part of your life. And others of you, he wants to challenge you and stretch you. You've been faithful in that area, and now he wants to challenge you. How can you grow in generosity? So one of the things that we do at our church is called Kingdom Builders. Everything that we do when we follow Jesus builds the kingdom of God. But we call kingdom builders uh, this effort that we have where we give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings, which build this church. And kingdom builders is how we support missionaries and church planters and causes in in our city and around the world and allow the gospel to go forth and the effects of the gospel to change people's lives. So, you know, the Bible says, if you can't go tell people yourself, you should contribute and help other people go tell people. So that's one of the reasons we do that. We give above and beyond. And one of the things we do is we make faith promises is what I want to explain it as. It's a faith promise. When you say, I want to give to kingdom builders. People give a faith, they give by faith, and they say, God, if you provide, I want to be generous above and beyond. So, so think like that. Think, this is, this is what I want to do, and I have faith that God will provide for me because I want to build the kingdom of God. So in your seats, there's these cards that talk about kingdom builders. And next week, we're going to bring these pledge cards back. We're not giving an actual offering next week, but we're going to bring these pledge cards back as a physical action, showing maybe how God is speaking to you, uh, how you can step up, You know, whether it's serving or start tithing or give to kingdom builders above and beyond, whatever it is. And we're not bringing money for this. We're just bringing the pledge cards to say, God, this is what I want to do for you this year. And by faith, I'm praying that you'll help me to do this. And now some of you, when you think about giving to kingdom builders, it can be challenging. uh, And maybe this concept of of finances and God is something that you really struggle with. Uh, Some of you, I know that when this topic of money comes up, it's like a tension in your heart appear and you start thinking, I'm having a heart attack. No, there's an issue (laughs) that you're struggling with. And we wanna gently, and I want to lovingly, help you in that area so that you can experience all of the benefits of being like Jesus. So when you think about your finances, you think about giving, you think about kingdom builders, I want you to ask yourself a few questions. What could I give if I planned ahead? Sometimes we give in response to a need. Like when the floods sweep into Houston and we see people hurting it causes us to sympathize, and we think, how can I help? And we give in response. But really, the way that will be most effective as givers is to plan ahead. Sometimes people say, you know, I can't give. And what they really mean is I didn't plan to give. And here's the thing you got to understand. There's this thing called a budget In your budget, you plan what to do with your money. Now, for most people in the world, like the number one priority is, you know, my house, food, shelter, and clothing. So us as Christians, it's a little different. In our budget, the first priority is God. So we put God first in our finances. And there's this thing, tithing, and, and we plan on it. And I'll explain it more in a second. But, but then I think about this. What if I planned in advance to be generous above and beyond my regular giving? And now there's some people that would say, well, I can plan to give when God gives me more to work with. But I need you to know that God is saying, I can give you more to work with when you plan to give. Did you see that parable about the 10 servants? yeah, I heard this guy preaching about it last week, and he said that God takes from the lazy and wicked servant and gave it to the one who brought back 10 times the. Ro- so in the kingdom of God, what you see is that when you have a heart and you're trustworthy and you're faithful, God's like, I'm going to work through you. When you plan to give, God will allow you to give. It's incredible. Giving should not just be a spontaneous response of our emotions. it should be something that we intentionally plan to do. So, so think about that. What could I do? for God with my finances, if I made it a plan in advance this upcoming year, like I'm gonna say, okay, it's my budget, God is first. And and, and start thinking about kingdom builders, some of you who can go above and beyond. Think about that, like what if I plan in advance? What could I do each month? What could I do by the end of the year? Then here's the second question. What could I give if I made a sacrifice? Now this is gonna start to stretch you a little bit. During World War II, Americans sacrificed for the war effort. We knew it's all on the line, live or die, now we're never. And so people sacrifice many of the things we take for granted, like new tires and gasoline, fuel, clothing, even a lot of food things that we take for granted, butter, dairy, coffee, sugar, sweet Jesus. Right? They did it because they knew like, this is is life or death, we gotta give. And, And so what's more important than life or death? Well, eternal life. An eternal death is the only thing. If they were willing to sacrifice to such great extremes, think about this in a a, a realistic, healthy way. Is there a sacrifice that I could make in a reasonable way way, as God leads you? Maybe it's crazy. Maybe it's just something small that I could do that would allow me to be more generous. You know, could I go to Starbucks only three times a week instead of five times a week? Right, like, would I, would I be willing to suffer like that for Jesus? Would, would I be able to be, what if I ate out just like a little less often? Or if I got a fishing boat next year? You know what I mean? Like, what could I do for Jesus now? And some of you are like, well, that's not me. I don't have that kind of wealth. I'm poor. Well, let's talk about that. Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, surplus, but she, as, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So think about this. I, I always laugh when I read this story. I picture Jesus... Sitting down by the collection box in the temple and just watching like, hmm, what are you going to give? Right? Like, what if the offering buckets got passed around on Sunday and Jesus was just standing in your row? Said you love me. Right? It'd be like just take everything I have, right? Like so he was watching, he paid attention, and and these people came by, and and you know, you you got the rich people who gave a lot. And I always pictured them like Scrooge McMoney bags coming along and just like dumping in their bags of gold, like ha ha ha. But then I realized later, like they they weren't necessarily like bad guys. You know, they were giving. Maybe they were great people. But then there was this other lady who was very poor, widow, she gave two coins. Very, practically nothing. And Jesus said she gave more than these other people because she gave everything she had to live on. So with God, we see this powerful truth that could change your life. You can give, but still not be generous. Have you ever thought about that? It's possible to give like, these wealthy people who gave, but Jesus said it was a small portion of their surplus. Was it good? Yeah, it was a good act, but it wasn't necessarily a generous act. This could shift your whole life forever. If you understand this principle that if I give, man, there's a difference between just giving and being generous. Like generosity is gonna be a stretch. It might feel like a sacrifice, But God does not call us to give equal amounts, he calls us to equal sacrifice, which is so beautiful that in the kingdom of God, you could be broke as a joke, and yet God could say you're more generous than someone who's a billionaire, because he gave a tiny part of his surplus and you gave all that you, or or maybe not all that you have, maybe you made a real sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Sometimes we, we miss out on the value of sacrifice, you know, giving up something now that would help me, something that I, I really appreciate for something later. That's why we don't always have as much in savings as we should have. I'm not talking about that right now. Um, we sometimes miss the value of great treasure because we get caught up with small pleasures. And there's things that we know, you know, I need to survive. But then there are a lot of pleasures that we think we need. We miss sometimes on what we could have if we sacrifice. So I I was watching Shark Tank a couple weeks ago after church. I love that show, okay? Um, Shark Tank, great show with investors and business and anyways. This guy was on the show and he was talking about past experience in his life where he was a lawyer and he did some work for this company. And the guy owed him uh, you know, a few thousand dollars for this contract work he did. And he showed up to the guy's place of business to get paid. And the business owner, who was his client, said to him, would you take rather than cash some shares in my company, shares of stock? And the guy was like, well, you know, I had some small kids at home. My wife would have killed me. I needed the money. So I said, no, thanks. That company went on to grow into a company you may know as Under Armour. And the few thousand dollars worth of shares that he gave up turned into what would be worth $250 million today. Woo, doesn't that just break your heart? (laughs) Like, let's just have a moment of silence, (laughs) right? Sometimes we pass up great treasure for small pleasure. And we don't see what could be because of what is right in front of our face. And I think about like, let's think about a number like $5,000, $5,000. For a lot of people, you say, that's a lot of money. $5,000, I could do some stuff with $5,000. You'd say, you know, I could go on a great vacation. You could. Some of you would be like, man, that would be like twice as good of a car as I have right now that's legitimate. That is like a year's worth of ice cream for me. So (laughs) I could do some things with that money. But here's what we did do, right? Last year, we had our end-of-the-year Kingdom Builders offering, where people came and they gave sacrificially above and beyond. And for some of you, it was the first time ever doing something like that. And we took $5,000 from that offering, and we're taking it to Cuba in just a couple of weeks In Cuba, where the economy is so repressed that a doctor makes $30 a month, we can take our $5,000 and build an entire church. So we're going to do it. We're going to build a church in Cuba. Many of you sacrifice pleasures for what will become a great treasure. And just think about that. This this church, if 50 people come to this church and they reach a couple people for Jesus and they reach a couple people for Jesus, it could turn into tens of thousands of lives that become saved for eternity because of our sacrifice, giving for people that you might never meet this side of heaven, but you will meet them someday. We're gonna have some Cuban food together, amen? Now Last year, we did great. For, like I said, for some of you, it was your first time ever even thinking like that outside the box. And, and we gave forty five thousand dollars in that offering alone. So last year, our church gave over one hundred thousand dollars for kingdom builders, people given above and beyond their regular ties. And here's what I think as the pastor of this church. I think that because for some people, that was like the first time they ever they ever gave that now that they're kind of like in the game and they get it, we're gonna be able to go way beyond that. So I think that in one year, we could double that. I think we could give $200,000 this year. Some of you are like, I don't know, Ryan. Like, uh, (laughs) good luck with all that. But see, here's what'll happen. If we all stretch our thinking a little bit and start to dream bigger, then we'd be surprised what God might do. So here's my third question for you. What would I give if God provided the resources? This is a very different type of thinking now. It's not about what I could do if I plan. It's not about what I could do if I sacrifice because those are very logical equations. This is what would I give? What would I dream of giving if God would do a miracle in my life? Have you ever stopped to dream about giving an amount of money to God that is greater than any amount that you could have come up with in your own work and effort? This would be incredible, life-changing. God loves to be generous more than you do. And he is looking for generous vessels to work through. I'm gonna show you in 2 Corinthians 9. It says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. This is a great principle as a Christian. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So here's what was happening. Paul, the apostle, he has been talking to the church in Corinth, another city, about helping the Jews, or rather the Christians in Jerusalem, Uh, their brothers in Christ who lived in another city. And he was saying, would you guys be willing to give sacrificially above and beyond to help these guys in this other city who love Jesus? You might not know them, you might never meet them, but they need our help. And so what he did was he kind of talked to them about it. He gave them time to plan. He, gave, he asked them to make a sacrifice. He assured them, like, if you do this, you can trust God. He'll, he'll provide for your needs. He's gonna take care of you. He's gonna give you everything you need and then some. He's gonna bless you because here's what God does. He brings blessing to those who are generous so that they will have everything they need and so that they can always continue to be generous. We don't give to God to get from God. We're not trying to get rich by giving to God. He's not like this cosmic slot machine in the sky. We give to God because we love him and he gives to us because he loves when we're generous. So here's what Paul is telling them. Like, can you guys sacrifice to give to reach these people? If you're willing, God will provide. If you're willing, God will provide. So some of you, hey, maybe it's time to stretch your thinking and dream bigger. Like before, maybe you were thinking in terms of like 20s. And now you think you need to think in terms of hundreds or instead of hundreds, in terms of thousands or in terms of 10,000. I don't know if there are rich people in this church. I haven't met really very many rich people. But here's the good news. We don't need rich people to build the kingdom of God. We just need generous people. And I've met a lot of generous people in this church. Maybe before you thought, like, I could could give a few hundred dollars to that. Like, that's cool. But maybe God's saying to you this year, like, what about a few thousand dollars? Like, he stretches us like that. He stretches us. And let me be honest with you. Stretching is painful. That's why I don't do it when I work out. It's painful. (laughs) I remember when I first became kind of like serious about my walk with God and this principle of tithing was brought up. And if you don't know, tithing, tithe means 10th. It's how Christians, they give God the first 10% of their income. And the Bible lays out for us many places I can't go into now, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth. Uh, the Bible says in Malachi, bring the whole tithe into my, my home. They bless you. And God makes this statement, lays it out again and again. The Tithing is the precedent for Christians and the entry point into generosity. And so as someone who wanted to be obedient to God, I was like, like i'm gonna do this tithing thing i'm gonna do it and so i started and like it wasn't easy you you start when you start doing something like that as many of you know you write that first checkout this is like every little motion of that pen like part of your heart is just dying inside you're like oh why why am i doing this right but then you start to do it and you start to go like this this is right this feels good this is beneficial. I'm not just helping to build my church, but God is blessing me through this. Like Not just financially, he does, but also spiritually. Like I'm realizing I can trust him. I'm realizing how faithful he is. And then, and then he does bless you financially because he said he would. And so it's awesome, right? And then here's what happened. Okay, the whole game changed because then the pastor gets up one day and he starts talking about giving to missionaries above and beyond my tithe. And I'll be honest with you, right? Real talk. This is a very transparent church. I'm very honest with you as a pastor because I like to keep it real. I'm thinking like give to missionaries above and beyond my tithe. Come on, man. Are you serious right now? I just started doing the tithing thing. I feel pretty good about myself. What are you talking about? I was not happy, honestly. And it was, I was like, you want me to give? Like, it's, it's, it's not easy. And I actually had people come up to me after the last service, and they're like, I felt the same way. I was like, thank you for not leaving me out there to dry as the only non-generous person in this church. And so when the idea of, like, giving to missionaries came up and stuff, I was like, okay, I like got eventually I got to the point where like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and so I was like here's here's a little bit and then here's a little bit and then like at first it was it was kind of like getting punched in the gut you're just like oh and then over time you're like man this this is okay like God is providing he's he's good and he he honored my heart to try and be generous and then the next year comes around and he's like so what are you gonna do now I'm like what should I do now and he gives me a mount, right? And it's it's all it's different for all of us. It's what he puts on your heart. But, but every time we talk about it, it's uncomfortable for me. And he stretches me and he's like, How about a little bit more this year? And I'm like, seriously? And then me and God fight for a couple days, and God speaks through my wife who's more holy than me. And I'm like, All right, let's let's go for it. You know, you haven't failed me yet. Dun, 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 see you do it again. And then I'm like, let's do it. Let's be generous, right? God's going to come through. He is faithful. He wants to work through people who are willing to be generous. Because before, when it came to tithing, I was practicing obedience, but I wasn't yet generous. And don't get me wrong. Like, there's nothing bad about obedience. I loved God. Generosity. When you, it's di- somewhat different though. Like when you're obedient to God, it's a sign of love. Jesus said in John 14, those who obey my commands are the ones who love me. So tithing is an act of love for God. I was obedient, but I don't know if I had become generous yet because then when the idea of doing more came up, it was like, oh, come on. Like I, I thought about tithing. And here's how, I, here's how I think about tithing. I think about it like if I get paid a thousand dollars, let's say the first 100 belongs to God. And I think it like this, like you get paid a thousand dollars. right? just picture like a stack of ones. I like to picture it in ones because then it feels like more, right? <laughs> it's a fortune. That's no, just ones. And so I picture like the first 100 of those thousand dollars have God's name on them. And he puts them in my hand and he says, "So what are you going to do? And so the choice is, the Bible says I can bring it to God as my tithe and say, here's the hundred that belongs to you. And God says, I'm going to let you keep the other 900 that also belongs to me. And I'm like, thank you. You're great. And and then what God does, he continues to bless you and stretch you. So I think about it like this, like, I don't want to put God's money that has his name on it in my bank account with the rest of his money that I'm allowed to hold on to. I don't want God to come and find his money where it doesn't belong. Like if you missed your iPad, it was misplaced somewhere you couldn't find it, and then you came over to my house and found it in my nightstand by my bed, and you'd be like, what's this doing here? I'd be like, oh, this is super embarrassing. I don't know. I don't really know what happened, right? Like, I don't want to have that experience with God where he's like, why is my money in your bank account? So for me, I want to give it to him because I love him, and I want to be obedient, but then there's something that goes beyond that where it's generosity. Like, okay, now I don't need to do this. I choose to do this. I'm not giving just a benefit myself because even when I tithe it benefits us this is kind of like another level of understanding when you tithe it helps your local church grow and reach your community so it benefits you you come to it and hopefully like it that's where you're like amen pastor Ryan (laughs) Woo! (laughs) thank you Your kids benefit from it. They grow in their walk with God and it reaches the community where you live because you're like, man, there's some people in my community that need Jesus. There's some terrible drivers, my neighbors. I'm praying that Jesus will fix my in-laws. Not me, but somebody hypothetically. (laughs) But then when you give above and beyond that to kingdom builders, you know, you're giving to help people in a part of the world that you might never go to, to reach people you might never meet, to fix problems that you did not cause, that you're not responsible for. It's just an act of generosity, and God loves to bless that. It's another level of growing in your walk with God spiritually. So ask yourself, how does God want to work through me? I don't have to do this. I want to do this. I'm giving to reach people I might never meet to start churches I might never go to because I love people, I love God, I love what he's doing, and I wanna be generous. These are called good deeds that will be remembered forever by scripture. Like the Corinthians, when Paul was encouraging them, Did they know at the time that 2000 years later we'd be talking about their generosity? But we are, because he said generosity is a good deed that does not get you into heaven, but it will be rewarded in heaven it will be remembered forever. I picture in heaven, sitting on a bench in a park and people passing by, going about their heavenly business. People you know, people you haven't met yet, all part of the God's family, all happy to be there. And having someone walk up to you that you haven't yet met, you don't recognize their face, but you know we're part of the same family. And they say to you, hey, I've been wanting to meet you. I wanted to tell you thank you, I'm here because you gave. I'm here because you sacrificed and did what you didn't have to do out of a heart of generosity. So thank you. Wouldn't that be a beautiful experience? You can have that experience. And I pray that you have that experience hundreds of thousands of times. I pray that we all have that experience. I want every single one of us to have that same type of experience in heaven. I don't want you to be one of the people that just like barely makes it into heaven and you're glad you got in. You're like, woo, just barely made it. I want you to be one of those people that got there, but also brought other people with you. Who have, I want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful, right? God authenticates the power of the gospel through our generosity. That's what the Bible says, that it will prove your obedience to Christ when you're generous. So, so dream about what God might do through you, dream about it. And I wanna encourage you to even think about this in a new, new perspective. What would be your lifetime goal to give to God? This is like going to be just mind-blowing for some of you right now. What would your lifetime goal be? Here's what's so cool about setting a lifetime goal. You can dream of a bigger number than it's possible for you to reach today. Your current reality does not limit what's possible in the future. Maybe you say, man, my goal is that in the course of my life, I hope to give $100,000 to God. And maybe right now you can only do like a tiny little step in that direction. But as you start to move forward in generosity, God's gonna honor, he's gonna work through you. And maybe for you, it's like, man, I just, I don't know. But, but you need to start praying about that and dream and ask God to speak to your heart and put seeds of, in your heart of generosity thinking like, well, what, what's possible? What would I do if God made it possible? Not what can I do in my own strength, but, but what might be possible if God showed up and did a miracle? We wanna have a healthy, effective, 10 times church where we reach people, where God knows that if I bring resources into the hands of generation church people, man, they're gonna be faithful. I can trust him. I can trust her. She's a good and faithful servant. I can build my kingdom through his heart of generosity. So ask God to speak to you. We don't give to earn God's love. Let me just say it again. One time, really clearly, we give so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. Amen? We are passionate in this church about reaching the lost, We want to see lost people come to know Jesus. We want to build them up, raise them up as disciples who can then go out and reach more lost people. That's the path that we're all on. That's the journey that we're on together. And we're passionate about it. We need to sync up our passion and our finances. Amen. Amen. Good. Yes. All right. Wow. God is so faithful. And I know that for some of you, this is a challenge to talk through. And I know that God is gonna help you in this area of your life. He is a faithful God and he's patient with us. Isn't that good? He's patient and he's gentle. He loves to show us truth and help us get to where we need to go. He wants to help us become more like Jesus who was willing to give his life for us. So God is gonna help you to grow in your walk with him. If you say, I'm all in, I wanna be a so that Christian. I wanna be like Jesus. Just start asking God, what's my next step? What's my next step? As a follower of Jesus, I'm grateful for where I am, but I don't want to stay here anymore. Amen. I want to move forward. I want to grow in my walk with God. I want to become a more godly husband. You want to become a more godly wife. You want to become a more faithful leader in the kingdom, right? God's going to help you get there. Let him just start. Let him start speaking to your heart about what might be next for you. Next week, we're going to bring these pledge cards back. and. We wanted to make it possible for you to participate in multiple ways. So they say things like, I will start serving. I, by faith, am going to start tithing. I'm going to give above and beyond. And so it might be different for you, but I'm praying that we can all participate in some way in this next week where we're going to come and bring these pledge cards for us. So I want you to take those cards. They're in your seat back pockets. They're in your bulletins. Just grab one right now. Um, just get it in your hand. And let's just simply pray that God will speak to our hearts about what's next for us. God, you're so faithful and good. We thank you that we're saved by grace and that we cannot earn your favor, Lord. So we're not working to earn your favor, we're working to be faithful servants to you, Jesus. So, God, I thank you for the heart of the people in this room who genuinely love you, Lord. You've done such a powerful work in their lives. Some of them have been transformed in such radical ways can't even explain it, God. It's only possible through your power. Lord, I pray right now that as we get ready to take our next step, you'll speak to our hearts about what's next for us. For some of us, it's to start serving. For some people, it's to take that step of faith and trust you and to start tithing, putting you first in their finances. God, for others, it's to go above and beyond into generosity, Lord and to become a kingdom builder. So this week, God, as we take these pledge cards home and we pray over this topic, Lord, will you speak to our hearts? Show us what to do that we wouldn't do it out of compulsion, Lord, or out of some kind of guilt trip, but out of a heart to cheerfully serve you faithfully. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us and letting us know how we can be more like Jesus. You're a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. Isn't God good? Yes. yes. I love the opportunity to talk about this issue, even though for some, t- for some people it's kind of difficult because I know it's a heart issue. It is, it's a, tr- it's a truly an issue of the heart. And the reason that we are able to give like this is because of what God has done for us in our hearts, what he's done in our hearts, he's transformed us. He saved us, we think about that. Think about what it was like when we were dead in sin and lost before we knew Jesus. And many of you remember what it was like to be hopeless. You remember what it was like to be addicted, to be rejected, and then you found Jesus. Some of you, it was at a young age, and others of you, it was like five seconds ago. And you know, when I found Jesus, it changed me from the inside out, and there is nothing better than following Jesus. And the more you experience his goodness, his loving kindness, and his mercy, you just mean I love him even more now. The more I understand him, the more I love him. And some of you maybe need to take that step today and give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you've been running from him for years. And today is a chance for you to return to him. So I'm gonna ask us to bow our heads. Just in private, between you and God, if you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus today, I want to be forgiven. Because God says he'll forgive us of our sins when we trust Jesus. He says it's possible to be saved. And we can be saved by placing our faith in Jesus, that he died for us and rose again, believing that through him we can experience God's grace and become a child of God. So maybe you're ready to do that today. And if you are, you can just pray this prayer with me. It's not a magic prayer, but it just expresses what's in your heart. So you can just pray along with me in your own words even, but just agree with me and say, God, I know that I need your forgiveness. I have sinned and blown it, Lord. And I can't do anything to earn your forgiveness, but I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to take my place and pay my debt when he gave his life on that cross. And that Lord, he rose again on the third day through your power and that his resurrection gives me victory over sin and death. And so God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to put everything I am in your hands. I'm going to trust you to forgive me and to change me and to transform me into your child. God, thank you that I'm no longer your slave. I'm a son, God. I'm a daughter of Jesus. Lord, thank you for bringing me to this point and help me to follow you. For the rest of my days, in Jesus' name, amen.